everyone, Mandy Friedman here, licensed professional clinical counselor, clinically certified domestic violence counselor, clinically certified trauma professional level two, the creator of SNAP, survivors of narcissistic and abusive personalities, and the owner of Claremont Mental Health. And I am back with episode six of our series, analyzing HBO's succession. And I'm here with my brother, Andrew. Hey, Mandy, it's good to see you again. I'm excited today to talk about Tom Wamsgam in season one of Succession. Tom is your favorite character. Tell me why that is. Well, first I have to stop and correct you, Andrew, because it's really important that we get that last name right. One of the scenes I just watched recently is Tom at his wedding giving a speech and he's going wife, wife, wife. I just like saying the word wife and he keeps repeating it over and over again. And then I started thinking about Wamsgans Wamsgans, <laughs> Wamsgans, because it's a hard, it's a hard last name to say. It's a mouthful, but I like him for a lot of reasons, and those reasons are going to be named in this episode today while we go through and analyze aspects of Tom's relationships and the different themes that will show up. But one of the things I really like about him the most is that he does have a higher level of emotional intelligence than a lot of the other characters that we meet. And I want to just today in this episode um, highlight how emotional intelligence can be so effective in advancing someone who's trying to climb that ladder um, and navigating others. And that makes him in so many ways the most savvy of them all. And that's why I like him the most. Tom has great emotional awareness, situational awareness with emotions and things like that. And one relationship that is shows all kinds of great examples of that is his relationship with Logan. His relationship with Logan is so perfect and crafty. We can see its success along the way through the series that Tom's methods are working, that they are successful. Logan is buying it, hook, line, and sinker. So his relationship with Logan is to treat him as if he wants nothing from him, that he is just there to be helpful and supportive in whatever ways he's needed, but that he's asking nothing of Logan. And Logan likes that. But we all know that these relationships are transactional. That's what makes it a strategic move, is that by default, the relationships are transactional. So when he says, this isn't a transactional move, it's like, oh, he's doing something just because it's the right thing to do. And since he's not in the family, maybe he's being honest and genuine about that. I know my family members and my kids, Logan, he knows that everybody around him has an agenda and that everything's a transaction. So within him, he wants to believe this about Tom, that Tom is someone from the outside that knows how to do something just because it's the right thing to do. When we first meet Tom, he is not a part of the family. He is uh, a, the fiance of Shiv. And throughout the first season, we get to see their relationship change quite a bit. Uh, tell me about his relationship with Shiv. It starts off with Logan having the stroke and we see them together at the hospital. And at a certain point, Tom gets down on one knee and thinks that this is a good time to propose to Shiv. Um, it's a sweet gesture. 
and maybe in another relationship with another person in another family that would have been seen as something that was the right thing to do. But, you know, she swiftly kind of is like, no, not now, not now, not now. Um, and talks him down. And we see how the other family members treat him in that environment too. They, they talk bad about him right in front of his face. They make, you know, degrading jokes. Um, they kind of make fun of the relationship constantly as if it's a farce and, and fake, not real. Um, so yeah, his relationship with Shiv is he is there to get whatever he can out of it, but he does seem to genuinely care about her um, he does seem to genuinely have a kind of love for her, and she treats him like garbage. <laughs> he, Tom is one of the only characters that are is like a true outsider to the family. His, uh, you know, his background is he's from the Midwest, and so he is coming to the big city basically to succeed. Um, you know, I think it's obvious that he has had some issues at when he was a child as well, as we'll talk about. But I, what, something you said that I find fascinating as well is that, you know, the other family members treat him very poorly, but that's how they treat each other. So it's, uh, it's almost like uh, they're showing him love by doing that. Exactly. And that's what makes it okay to him. It's just, you know, what they say, like, any publicity is good publicity. Right. You know, any any FaceTime he's getting, any exposure, any access, it's all good. You know, even if it's him having to clean up messes or get made fun of, he's just happy to be there. And that's very clear that he's just happy to be there. And that works on Logan. He's just happy to be here mm -hmm. instead of, no, actually, he is strategically climbing the ladder alongside all of us, but is the gray man we're not really suspecting as being someone that's going to rise to the top. And the gray man is often the most dangerous. Another reason why I love him. You do not suspect it. He seems like a goofball. No one respects him. And yet we know what happens. Uh, another character that you don't suspect as well is one of Tom's, like the person that Tom kind of communicates with the most. And that would be Greg. Tell me a little bit about Tom's relationship with Greg, and I'm sure we'll get into more specifics about that as well. We can watch Tom and Greg and see an example of coercive control and grooming. We can also see that Tom knows the pecking order. He knows who to leverage. Um, and so he immediately sees Greg as potentially maybe uh, – an equal on the rung at first, or that Greg might think that he's an equal, and Tom needs to swoop in immediately <laughs> and let Tom, let Greg know that he is the bottom of the ladder. You know that he is not a peer. Let me teach you how to be in these circles. You don't know how to be rich. And one of the things he says to Greg about being rich, he's he says, "I'm going to seduce you and take you out to dinner, and I'm going to teach you how to be rich." He says, here's the thing about being rich, okay? It's fucking great. It's like being a superhero, but better. You get to do what you want. The authorities can't really touch you. You get to wear a costume, but it's designed by Armani, and it doesn't make you look like a prick. <laughs> so he takes Greg out to dinner after Greg has already eaten like 18 times that day. And now they're at this fancy restaurant, and, you know, they're eating these ridiculously, um, you know, like, bird embryos and Greg's like, Oh, he's trying to, <laughs> oh. but 
he's being groomed. So he goes along with things and you see how they come together. And then Greg is a flying monkey for Tom. So he's grooming him. He's enlisting him. But he's also making sure that that he knows Greg knows that Tom has the upper hand, that Tom has the power in the relationship and that he will be the one to, you know, lead the way, I guess. But what's interesting is, you know, Greg learns how to push back. Greg learns that these relationships are transactional. And so he'll sort of, you know, try his hand at it. And we'll talk more about that. But Tom and Kendall um, have been very impressed with Greg at times when Greg seems to get it. You know, like, hey, this is a transactional relationship. So I'm going to ask something of you. And they go, oh, Greg, welcome to the club. All right. He's figured it out. You know, you're supposed to figure out what you can get out of this. Exactly. But Tom really uses Greg. And Greg at first, I think, is not certain as to whether these relationships are genuine or not or how to really navigate them but he sees tom as his friend at first so greg witnesses shiv i guess being handsy with nate and greg approaches tom i think like the day before the wedding um to let him know hey i saw something i need to tell you about and tom won't hear any of it he says, shut up, shut up, shut up, you know, and he's, you know, like threatening violence. He's like coming after him and, and Greg keeps going. No, I got to tell you, I got to tell you. It's like he feels responsible. He needs to tell Tom that Shiv is cheating on him, but Tom doesn't want to hear about it. So he has a lot of bizarre behaviors around Greg. I feel like that when he's with Greg is when we're seeing the true Tom. That's fair. He's very abusive, though, when he's with Greg. And, you know, I feel like what you said earlier about the latter. Um, not only is uh, Tom want Greg to know, hey, I'm on a higher rung, but he wants Greg to know you can't walk, you can't even put your foot on the ladder because I'm the one who's going to let you access the ladder. You don't have access to the ladder without me. Um, and uh, I find that interesting because anytime that Greg bucks um, Tom's authority, Tom freaks out and gets violent and is is very intimidating. And that's something that he does with Greg. If you're someone who's been bullied um, as a kid, watching the interactions between Tom and Greg are like funny, but they're also like, oh, it makes you feel icky. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, he's bullying him. He's a he's a very good bully for sure. Tom also interacts with everyone else in the show, of course, as well. Tell me a little bit about the group dynamics between him and some of the other characters. So we mentioned that the other siblings, you know, Shiv's siblings, don't really treat Tom respectfully. So we know that the other family members um, kind of disregard him. And the people at um, Waystar Royco, they don't take him seriously either. Um, when they're tossing around names for CEO, especially in the beginning, like season one, it's funny because Tom is like, doesn't even, he acts like it's not even on his radar, you know, like, oh, me? Oh, oh, no, you know, like he's completely like, oh, I would never even dream of such a thing. And his name doesn't really get tossed around too much. He will try to promote Shiv. He'll say, what about Shiv? What about yes. Shiv? So that's really cunning. You know, to make it seem like that he's just there as a good husband and a good son-in-law. 
So he will use he will use that relationship with the family to boost himself up socially, right? Maybe not in front of them, but when he's not around the family and he's circulating, he puffs up a little bit more. Like I am with them. But when he's with the family, he deflates himself and shrinks himself a little bit. So he's not the same person everywhere he goes. Another way that that's kind of uh, shown in the show by the actor is the way he talks to people and says their names. You know, if you notice when he talks to Shiv and, and the other family members, he's very soft-spoken. Hey, honey, how's it going? You know, that kind of thing. And when he's talking to Greg, uh, he says his name just like that, you know? And it's like it's like the word Greg coming out of his mouth is disgusting to him, and he spits it out, you know? <laughs> And uh, it's a fantastic, uh, more fantastic acting from this, you know, this crew that we've been watching on the show. There are some events that we want to talk about. So one of the events is the information that is learned by Tom when he ends up taking over a certain position. And um, basically he learns about some, you know, very bad things that have happened at the cruise line, uh, you know, part of the business. And uh, how does that all work out for him? He's thinking he's getting a promotion, but actually it's a strategic move of putting him in that position because they all are aware of what is there. They all know that this is going to have to be dealt with in house. And when I say in house, I mean within the family with someone we can control. Mm -hmm. There is, there are a bunch of dead bodies lying there and is it Bill or whoever that's, retiring and they're passing on the cruise division to Tom, he pulls them into his office in this like giddy way. Uh, the, the retiring person pulls Tom into the office and he's almost like happy and like giddy about passing the mess over to him. And he's like, Oh, it's a, it's a big one. It's a doozy, you know? And Tom's like, well, how bad can it be? He's like, Oh, it's really bad. And you see Tom like, okay, okay. And now Tom knows anyone I touch, catches the virus. Anyone I touch, I'm bringing into this. So now he has to be very careful and cautious about who he mentions it to. But he mentions it to two people. One, Shiv. Mm -hmm. Two, Greg. And with Greg, he intends to use Greg to help him cover up the crime. With Shiv, He's kind of trying to feel her out because he wants protection. He knows that it's possible that he's going to get in big trouble um, for this. And he's wondering, can she protect me when he starts to bring it up with her? And she pretends like she doesn't even hear what he's talking about at all. But then moments later, Jerry approaches Tom and starts bringing it up because Tom was thinking he was going to have a... Um, he was going to have a press conference and just get it out and get ahead of it. That was what he was saying when he was talking to Shiv, when Shiv pretended like she wasn't listening. All of a sudden, Jerry walks up to him and says, I hear you're thinking about having a press conference. <laughs> but Tom assumes that it's Greg that's the leak. Mm -hmm. he, it doesn't occur to him immediately that it's Shiv that has leaked. And Jerry tells him the story about the sin cake eater but essentially it's that sponge aspect of Tom's Tom's personality, but also his role is that you're in the family now. So you know where the bodies are. 
which means you also have to hide them and keep it to yourself and not whine or complain about it. Take it like a man. He's he's you can see him like just putting all these pieces together up here like, OK, and I'm doing all this by myself, but I have to do it this way and um, him managing all of that. So when he um, brings Greg into it, he has Greg on Thanksgiving go back to the office and shred a bunch of documents. Do you think that Tom is Shiv's flying monkey? Yes, definitely. Um, and he knows that that's a big part of his role is to report back to her. But he's also very careful about what he reports back too. He's strategic there as well. And he also expects, which is hilarious, that she would be a flying monkey for him, but it's not a very balanced flying monkey situation. <laughs> so, um, so Tom has a bachelor party, and this is set up by uh, Roman and also Stewie. But uh, Tom has quite an interesting time at this bachelor party. Well, first, Tom puts Roman in charge of the party because he knows that Roman probably will do something wild and crazy. But there are other things happening here at the same time between Kendall and Roman and the company and Stewie and Sandy. And Stewie and Roman both know that Sandy is going to be at this club. And it's still, we're still in New York. And instead of flying to Prague and having some kind of a bachelor party that, you know, you travel to, they go to this really crazy speakeasy sex club place that they have to go through like a, a train track tunnel to get to. And it's just, you know, and then they see rats and they're like, oh God, rats. You know, so these, these men are heading to this bachelor party, but they don't know where they're going. Another hilarious part of this is that Tom brings friends. He has friends that fly in from his hometown to join him on his bachelor party. But they arrive and are told they can't come along. <laughs> so they get out of the car, the, the limos or whatever with everyone. But then Stewie or one of them that gets the access, that ha gives the secret access to the place is like, oh, no, it can only be like approved um, guests and they're not approved. And so Tom's like, sorry guys. And he leaves his friends <laughs> who just got there, flew there to go to the party. He just walks away and leaves them. Because keeping, you know, his promises to them as far as coming to the bachelor party is insignificant and compared to him going along with things and being the chameleon, which we'll talk about more. Exactly. We have high value targets and low value targets with these individuals. You have a, you have value in as long as they can use you to navigate and get where they need to go. But then once you don't have that value anymore, um, you're no longer a person of interest and you don't hold any kind of a role. So you can see in these relationships too, just like in abusive relationships, you know, an abusive father who treats his family like absolute shit, but is super nice to the neighbor because the neighbor has season bangles, you know, season tickets to the football game or whatever, you know. So it's this high value target versus low value target. And you can see Tom at some point in time, those guys that are his buddies were high value targets, probably his bro dude friends that he went through some private Catholic school with and then was in a fraternity with and drank a lot of beer and did a lot of, you know, date raping and, you know, all that good stuff. And now he can discard them because he's climbing that rat ladder. Now they go into the club and he realizes that he's got like free pass 
from Shiv to have a great time at his bachelor party. And so he's going to, and he meets a woman and they go off and they do something. And then he comes back and he's talking to Greg and telling Greg what just happened. So she's giving him a blow job. And then, then he, you know, in her mouth, and then she kisses him and puts it back in his mouth and then he swallows it. So he swallows his own load and then he's walking around talking about it as if he just had this, you know, very kinky, amazing experience. But then as he tells the story, the responses that he's getting aren't. <laughs> right. So yeah. He starts to then you can tell that he's now kind of like second guessing himself yeah. on this and maybe it wasn't the best thing ever. You know, Greg is the one who kind of points out to him and just repeats back to him what he has said. And, and he's in this like post-coital bliss. He's on drugs, all kinds of stuff. And, you know, he's in this like amazing situation, he thinks. And when it's repeated back to him, it doesn't sound as cool as it did uh, when it was happening. So um, I find that to be very interesting. Now, something else you mentioned, the deal that he has with Shiv. Now, uh, he calls her and asks her about a transactional relationship straight up. He says, listen, if I grab a boob, does that mean you're going to grab a dick like that? And she blows it off and says, no, do whatever you want because she's already grabbed the dick. She's grabbing the dick right now. So that, that, you know, she's already, you know, purchased her part of the transaction and she's already gotten that part. And she's, uh, you know, also thinks that she has such control over him that he wouldn't do any of these things. She's smarter than him. She's going to outmaneuver him. And, you know, he wouldn't, he would not risk this relationship. She has all the power. He's got to be submissive. And she knows that. And she dominates him and bullies him. But I was just thinking about all the transactional relationships. And I guess that would have been another transactional relationship, however brief that it was. <laughs> well, and Tom got back what he gave to. So, you know, I mean, that's, that's very, very, uh, you know, interesting. Very savvy businessman, Tom. You know? Indeed. And then that same woman becomes Roman's girlfriend. Which I suspect is not a coincidence. I suspect that Roman set up this party. We already know that he has some kind of weird uh, thing with his, you know, with women in general, but with his sister in particular, I feel like that he set that up and he made that happen and then wanted to date that woman for some reason. So that is bizarre, but that's a whole other episode that maybe we can't do on YouTube and don't want to do on YouTube. The other big thing that happens in this season with Tom is the wedding. He and Shiv get married and the wedding is very interesting. There's a lot that goes on. And I just want to say that we're going to do a bonus episode just on Shiv's wedding. where We're just going to talk all about it because it's chock filled with all kinds of stuff. But one of the scenes that I really like is in the beginning when the guests are arriving and they're on these tour buses. Now, the wedding as is at Shiv's mother's palace or pad or whatever um, in England. It's a big mansion. And um, so they're having a big fancy wedding in this big fancy mansion and everyone's arriving, but there's a, like a, a bridge or a gate that's probably a thousand years old. I mean, things are really old over there. Not like here, you know, it's interesting when you travel other places, and <laughs> there's like a, a building that's 
four times the <laughs> four times the age of our entire country. Mm -hmm. So now, but we have these rich people, right? They don't give a shit about that stuff. They, the bus driver doesn't want to drive through the gate because it's too small and it could hurt the bus, but it could also hurt this gate, which is probably historical. Mm -hmm. And Tom is pissed. Um, he's like, what's happening? What's happening? Why aren't they pulling up? Why aren't they coming in? They need to come for it. Come on in. Let's go. Come in. And the event planner's like, well, he's not pulling it in because it might hurt the thing. And, and, and I mean, he's just, so he walks, they walk, have to walk to the bus. It's these moments where things are supposed to be picture perfect. They're supposed to be amazing. And one little thing like frozen butter sends somebody over the edge. This is one of those moments. So they have to walk out to the buses to meet the guests and at some point tom is helping someone carry luggage and he looks to the event manager or the event planner and says see i am carrying luggage on my wedding eve are you happy now you know so he loves to harass the help he likes to um poke at people and to you know puff himself up as important until the more important people are around Again, he'll shrink back down. But I really love that scene of how he doesn't give a crap about the bus or the historical bridge or whatever that is that's there. What's more important is that everyone comes to him and that as they get off the bus, he greets everyone as they get off the bus. He's been waiting for this. But instead, he has to walk to them instead of him them coming to him. At the wedding, we have Nate is there. We also have the woman that was at the bachelor party is now at the wedding because she's dating Roman. Rome, Roman invited her to the wedding, so that's awkward. Later on, he and Shiv are having a conversation, and what she's trying to do is extract from him the information about the cruise line. Now, remember when I said a moment ago that she wanted nothing to do with it and acted like she didn't even hear him talking? Mm -hmm. Now, all of a sudden, she's interested. And she's like, would you mind telling me about what's going on with that? Because she's working for Gil. She's trying to extract information because she's going to feed it to Gil so that Gil can have leverage over Logan. So she's sitting there talking to him, simultaneously extracting information. So she's weaponizing this vulnerable moment. She's going to weaponize the um, the information as well. So that's, on our, that's one of our themes is weaponizing information. She wasn't interested. Now she is. And so he's going to tell her because it will make her happy. But simultaneously, she tells him that she's not real sure if she's made for monogamous relationships. They just got married. And he's like, okay, um, well, this might have been something that I'd like to have known sooner. And yet he is still very just easygoing. And wow, I'm processing this. Um, sure, sure, sure. You know, he just has a way of folding over and acting like he's okay with something when I don't think anybody would be okay with learning that on their wedding day. That sounds pretty awful to find that out. But she's just telling him like, ah, oh, you know, I just been thinking you should probably know this. It's not that important. But hey, I'll just mention it that I don't plan on being monogamous with you. He's a pain sponge. He sticks around. It comes up later. He doesn't forget it. It's very hurtful to him. Oh, yes, it does come up later. And, you know, it does hurt him quite a bit. But that is such a great scene. If you wanted to show someone what is Tom all about, 
having the context and just watching that scene kind of shows you so many of the things that we just talked about, you know, because like you said, he's unwittingly in this moment being a flying monkey for Shiv and, and her, you know, candidate, right. She's coercively controlling him uh, through 50 different ways in that moment. Um, you know, also we're talking about this. They had had a conversation about transactions um, with, you know, the bachelor party earlier. And this is similar to that, you know, because now they're not even anymore on, on the, you know, the, the sexual transaction part. Right. And he shows his emotional intelligence by not freaking out, you know, and realizing that it, okay, I have to, I am in this, but I got to handle it the right way because we just got married and I don't want to screw this up. And I don't want to screw my career up. So even in his relationship with his wife, his own wedding, he is utilizing the wedding strategically to get where he wants to go and then simultaneously swallowing a lot of shit because he knows that's what it takes to be here and to stay here. After the wedding, the scene, you know, provides us with so many of our key points that we've talked about, but one we want to elaborate on is the emotional intelligence of Tom. So emotional intelligence in case our viewers don't know what this is, you know, EQ is different from IQ. So IQ is how intelligent you are, but we also have elements of emotional intelligence and the creator of this term um, and the researcher and author who developed it is named Daniel Goleman. And he has several books about emotional intelligence and emotional intelligence is something that's really important for healthy relationships, but it's also something that can be weaponized and used to manipulate people. Often savvy psychopaths, white collar psychopaths are highly emotionally intelligent. They can present as if they have empathy. They seem to anticipate people's needs and know how to behave in front of groups. They know when to uh, say the right thing at the right time. And, you know, whereas someone who say highly narcissistic, not saying this person isn't narcissistic, but we have a spectrum here. When someone has high emotional intelligence, it allows them to be mobile socially. They're more, can be more of a chameleon. Now this person can self-regulate, self-manage, and is more self-aware. So Tom is able to navigate all these relationships in his own best interest because of his emotional intelligence. Whereas if you compare him, say, to Kendall, who lacks emotional intelligence entirely, or Roman, who lacks emotional intelligence entirely. Shiv also lacks emotional intelligence. Now, they all lack empathy, including Tom. But the thing about emotional intelligence is there is an, an, a component of empathy that there are people that can act as if. They can locate their empathy and they can act as if they're engaging with their empathy, but actually, truly, they have low empathy. But their emotional intelligence lets them know this is a time to act empathic. This is a time to say this. I know how to follow the social scripts. Um, I know what humans need in this moment. I'm able to interpret needs and behaviors. I'm able to interpret emotions. And that's how people navigate others in a very savvy way, like Tom does as a chameleon. One minute with Logan, he's a lamb. The next minute with Greg, he's a monster but he turns it on and turns it off in a pretty savvy way. Now we do see throughout the season and through the series, there are times when he 
loses it and doesn't have it together. But if you think about everything that he puts up with, and yet he still comes in with this sort of like fresh face of, I'm just happy to be here. That is emotional intelligence being used as a way of navigating a high stakes, high power environment and blending in, not standing out. Well, it was a lot of fun to talk about Tom. We'll be talking about him a lot more in the future as we were just laying groundwork today for what will come, you know, what is to come. Uh, our next episode is going to be about his sidekick, Ray, and that's going to be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to it. Bye-bye. <laughs>